This Breakfast with Ben's podcast on the Fans First Network brought to you by Gerger Construction. It's not too soon to start planning your dream deck. They build decks year-round, and they're booking into spring and summer 2024. Gerger Construction is a small burg business specializing in decks, pergolas, railings, and fencing. Fully insured, licensed, and now offering financing options. Go to GergerConstruction.com to get your free project estimate or to schedule your deck safety inspection today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Shut up and sit down. This is our weekly fantasy sports podcast here on Breakfast with Ben's at Trib Live via the Fans First Network. Jeff Erickson not with us today from Rotowire. Instead, one of his colleagues, Mario Puig, is joining us right now. And Mario, it's great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for doing this. Um, first and foremost, let's talk about the top 150 rankings. I saw them updated. Uh, any movers that you really noticed? Jeff put these out here. Uh, one that jumps to mind, obviously, now is Ezekiel Elliott with the New England Patriots, uh, what about him, and, and how does that trickle to Ramondre Stevenson? Well, it's not the best sign for Ramondre Stevenson. It's, it's of course, uh, it's good to see a running back get the whole backfield to themselves. And, you know, fantasy sports, we're, we're greedy. We want as many numbers for, for our guys as we can get. So Ezekiel Elliott, him arriving sort of um, – I don't think it lowers the floor a whole lot for Stevenson. Stevenson's still the starter. He's still – their main pass catcher at running back but Ezekiel Elliott is more capable than who the backup would have been otherwise and the only other Patriots running backs before this were two second year players Pierre Strong who's kind of a smaller fast guy maybe he doesn't have much more going for him than that and then there's Kevin Harris who's he's more built like Stevenson and Elliott he's a a tank but he's also really young he just turned uh, 22 recently and he's uh, still working on getting acclimated to the pro game pretty much after not playing a whole lot at South Carolina. So if it had been Harrison strong behind Stevenson, Stevenson would have had no obstacles at all. He would have been getting, you know, 20 carries a game, three, four, five, six catches, the kind of stuff that could have paid off in the first round of fantasy drafts. But all offseason, Stevenson has more so been going at the second, third round turn. And I guess in light of the Zeke signing, he might be going closer toward the third, fourth round turn. So I, I can understand why Stevenson investors and prospective Stevenson investors got a little bit afraid of the Ezekiel Elliott signing, but I don't see Elliott as a true threat to Stevenson, especially not as a pass catcher. I think Stevenson has that locked up to himself. 
Dalvin Cook jumping up from 76 to 61. What does that do for Brees Hall in the rankings, and how do you think Cook will play out with the Jets? So I'm a little lower on uh, Dalvin Cook than that at this point. There's still even an outside chance that he faces some kind of league discipline for – there's this whole thing. It's already been like two and a half years ago, but it never really got resolved where uh, an ex-girlfriend was accusing Cook of domestic violence, basically, and it's it's kind of been uh, kept quiet in, in a civil suit arena, but it, it hasn't exactly been resolved. And uh, the league uh, disciplinary protocol basically doesn't exist they're kind of they'll they'll just give someone a suspension and they don't need really a precedent or an actual process to do it so I'm a little paranoid about Cook maybe missing some time for that reason but short of that I'm still skeptical of Cook because to me Brees Hall looks like one of the very most talented running backs in the league Uh, that was a category that Cook certainly inhabited at one point but I I think those days are gone whereas I think Hall is just getting started and and with no end in sight. So uh, Hall's arrival in 2023 is pretty much just subject to that knee, his ACL recovery. And that's been a bit tough on running backs in recent years. There's basically that one case, whatever, 10 years ago already, where Adrian Peterson came back and he freakishly somehow had an even bigger year coming back from the ACL. That's pretty much never the norm. And, And Hall probably will start slowly compared to how he finishes this year. So the way I see it, if Cook has a window to produce, it's in that period where Hall is working back into shape because I think when Hall is back, he's just too good to put on the bench for almost anybody. Anthony Richardson officially named the starter for the Colts. What does that do for his ranking? Well, uh, that's a that's a little tough because he's been going, I want to say, around kind of the eighth, ninth round sort of turn in drafts uh, since the NFL draft when he uh, went, of course, a little bit higher than expected to the Colts. So I can't tell how many of the people drafting him all along were just assuming that he was that Richardson was going to start from week one. If there was any significant portion of the, the drafting community that did not think he was going to start until week one, maybe that's going to raise the price then now that this announcement is out there. I personally... Uh, I, not that I had any you know, certain idea I was guessing, but I, I guessed that Richardson would start from week one. So I'm not raising him in the rankings, but if, if someone were doubting him previously, if someone thought Gardner Minshew had, would start the year instead, someone with, with that uh, outlook might have reason to change their view now. How high is uh, Pickens going to go in most drafts, do you think? Uh, where do you have him rising? I know there's been a lot of helium associated with his draft stock, and with guys like Ryan Clark saying he's more talented than Justin Jefferson, for crying out loud, I don't see any end to that. <laughs> yeah, I love George Pickens, but I would definitely stop short of saying that he has Justin Jefferson-level talent. But Pickens, I, I do expect to be an all-pro-level receiver in the NFL, and for all I know, that could be as soon as this year. However, I am personally not that high on Kenny Pickett, and I think the Steelers are not either. I think they're going to try to – they're going to take their shots to George Pickens and Deontay Johnson, of course, but I think they're going to try to limit their passing game beyond that. I think they're going to try to lean on the improved offensive line, get their money's worth out of Najee Harris and maybe Jalen Warren too. And so I feel like the target volume between Pickens and Deontay Johnson might be a little – overestimated and I, I'm not tending to draft either player but uh, Deontay Johnson tends to go safely ahead of George Pickens I have Pickens ranked ahead so if I am picking a, a Steelers receiver it is George Pickens I saw where 
Rob Gronkowski was talking about Darnell Washington, the rookie tight end out of Georgia, and said he might have between 600 and 700 yards receiving. I don't know if he was talking about it for his career or one season. I mean, Gronk himself only averaged that, something like 700 yards over his last three years. That seems awfully bulky for Washington. I know that People are starting to pay attention to him as more than just a blocker, but at the same time, uh, I think Gronk's going out of proportion there. Yeah, that's that's probably a bit unfair to Washington to expect 700 yards from him this <laughs> year. I mean, uh, I, I think it was kind of nonsense how far he fell in the draft. I think Washington's a great prospect, but Pat Fryermuth is a really good tight end too. And and uh, like you like you were kind of hinting at Washington, a lot of the appeal all along was that he's such a great blocker. You know, he, he's he's a, an asset and a real one and uh, especially real life, but in fantasy Darnell Washington might not be quite as useful because a lot of the way, a lot of the big plays he makes just aren't going to show up in the stat sheet. So uh, unless there's some league out there where people get points for like blocking pancake <laughs> blocks or something like that, it's hard for me to see Washington showing up on the radar outside of two tight end leagues. And those there are some of them out there, but it would require a format like that because like I was saying before, I don't think Pickett can throw for that much yardage. And Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, they're going to eat quite a bit. And Fryermuth is way ahead of Washington in the target rotation, too. So I need to see Washington with a different quarterback at the very least if he was going to have room to coexist with those other three guys. How are people feeling about Carr after the first preseason start? Um, I, I think most of the fantasy scene kind of... Uh, there are some exceptions, of course, but I think most people try to ignore the preseason beyond trying to guess who's in s- certain personnel packages. Like if if there's some sleeper receiver everybody's watching and in the preseason he's only on the field with the backup quarterback, that's the kind of thing that'll get people panicking But uh, or, or, you know, get in the case of Carr, getting excited. But in my personal opinion, it's probably best to... Uh, ignore preseason I know it's hard to it's it's hard to see some great play or bad play in the preseason and, and just convince yourself still that it doesn't matter but it generally doesn't there's just there's so many anecdotes over the years of guys having great preseasons and then turning into total duds in the regular season I mean Cam Newton his rookie year had one of the worst preseasons of all time and then he sets the rookie passing single game record in week one of the regular season and had of course a really great rookie year in general so it's um I think I think you more you find more signal more insight in a player's regular season history and even college production history than in the preseason so in Carr's case there's always there's always a reason for optimism that he's going to this offense where he's playing indoors every week pretty much this year and even when he is outdoors he's in warm weather he's had some of his worst games in cold weather outdoor weather not unusual for a quarterback at all but also having Chris Olave maybe Michael Thomas uh the tight the tight ends with the Saints are quite good so there's there's in this case with Carr there's a pretty decent player he's got a history of getting over 4,000 yards approaching 30 touchdowns passing in a year and now the theory is he's entering an offense that's maybe uh the best one that he's ever played in so You'd hope he can put together a good season, given all that. Mario Puig with us from Rotowire as we talk about the fantasy draft season, which is upon us. And I've got one coming up on Labor Day weekend, another one a couple days before that. As far as what you said earlier about Pickett, I'm wondering, do you find yourself being aligned with most in the fantasy community on him, or are people starting to change their tune after the offense looked, well, at least modern in that first game against Tampa? Or does that kind of fall into the same tent as you were talking about with Carr? 
Well, I, I have Pickett and Carr in sort of a similar fantasy ranking category. Part of that is, as much as I don't believe in Pickett as a passer, he's definitely a wily runner, and he can give you, um, I don't know, he might be able to run for something like 500 yards this year, which would be probably top six for a quarterback, top eight, something like that. So that rushing yardage in so many fantasy leagues is a bit of a loophole. Uh, the rushing touchdowns that he gets a bit of a loophole too. Most leagues have four uh, points per passing touchdown and one point per 25 or 20 yards passing. So every uh, 500 yards and five touchdowns on the ground he gives you is quite a lot more in fantasy points than the equal amount would be in passing production. So there's a way for Pickett to be a better fantasy quarterback than a real life quarterback. And uh, there's of course a way for him to be good in real life too. I just think uh, if it's correct to assume that Pickett has limitations as a passer, then it makes sense as an offense to lean on the run, try to limit his exposure as a passer, try to make as many of his pass attempts as possible occur in situations more like second and five, second and four, less third and eight, third and nine, things like that. And also the more you run, the more effectively you run, the more shots you can set up for Pickett where he's off the play action and maybe getting a single coverage on Pickens, you know, and maybe that maybe that corner looks into the backfield for a second too long and Pickens gets loose for the big play downfield. That kind of stuff can definitely be set up, even if I'm right, to kind of question Pickett as a passer. The one thing that I worry about with him is if they try to – if they get into too many games where he's throwing 35-plus, uh, 40-plus times – I worry about the turnovers popping up then because you're, you're kind of leaving him exposed longer. You're not giving him as, as favorable of situations as when you go run heavy instead. So that's my fear with Pickett, but all of those concerns are, are alleviated partially a by that rushing production that he gives you and B George Pickens, Deontay Johnson, Pat Fryermuth is a really good three, uh, you know, three, three man target rotation to lean on. So Pickett should have quite a bit of help, including more help than last year on the offensive line. Final moment with Mario Preeg here as we talk fantasy sports, our latest podcast on Breakfast with Benz. I saw on your Twitter feed, uh, what was the bet that you put up about Lamar Jackson that you said is a lock? Is it plus 3,500 yards at plus 100? Is that what it was? Yeah, DraftKings as of this morning it had hit Lamar Jackson's over-under on passing yardage at 3,500.5. So uh, the, the, the odds on it was plus 100. So uh, it's not the favored position, in other words. I mean, the, the payoff is a little better than if you take the under. And in this case, more importantly, the under, in, in my opinion, of course, is just totally wrong. And I, I understand the historical basis that this over-under was set from. Lamar Jackson has not thrown for very much in any of his NFL seasons. Even his MVP season, when he threw for 36 touchdowns or whatever, they only attempted something like 400 pass attempts that year. So uh, 3,500 is hard to get to if you're only throwing it 400 times. However... I think that it's pretty clear that with Todd Munkin running the Baltimore offense now and Greg Roman gone, that a new paradigm is coming in. And I expect Lamar Jackson to clear at least 525 pass attempts this year. I think something like 570 might be more likely. And if he's throwing in that range, he would easily clear 3,500 yards even if he's averaging something awful like six and a half yards per pass, which, by the way, I don't think he will. I think he'll average closer to eight. So uh, the, the disclaimer there is I am a bit of a Lamar Jackson fan. Clearly, I believe in him. But it's also a case that I believe in Todd Munkin. I think he's one of the I think he was the best possible hire the Ravens could have made. And Greg Roman, I never liked. I, I've been praying for somebody like Munkin to displace him all these years. And it's finally happening. So I'm kind of a little bit invested, obviously, in sort of a 
being right about my priors. So that that's another you know disclaimer I got to make there. But I think Lamar is much more likely to throw for 4,500 than 3,500. Not predicting 4,500. I'd predict something like 4,300. But that that 3,500 over is something that I feel completely confident about. What can people find up Rotowire this week? What's gone up uh, lately that people should check out in advance of draft season? Yeah, Jeff, me, and others, uh, we, we work on both uh, the, the Rotowire Sirius XM show, uh, which is 7 to 9 Central uh, during the week. And then on Saturdays, it's uh, 12 to 2 Central time. Me, Jeff, uh, John McKechnie, others. We work on the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, which I believe you can find five days a week from a variety of hosts. And uh, yeah, we, we try to get a lot of content about just every kind of fantasy football you could possibly play, uh, be it best ball or redraft or any kind of potential quirk we mean to be there on it. So uh, hopefully everything you could think of. Mario Puig from Rotowire. Check them out and check us out next week for our next fantasy podcast here at Breakfast Bends.